you know there's, there's an attitude that you can come with which you can come into the house of God and you will not even know that God is here. Jacob said, how awesome is this place? The Lord has been here. <laughs> this is none other than the house of God and this is the gate of heaven. Because your attitude in God's presence is what determines what you are able to squeeze out of his presence. What do you call your church? And what do you call the church? Because what you call it is what you get from it. You can call it a garden of hypocrites. So you, you're going to get hypocrisy from it. And the world is calling church all kinds of names today. And some of us are also dancing along with it. Don't forget I'm teaching about the power of the church. Alright. Um, let's get into the word of God this morning. Genesis 28. And I'll read from verse 10 down to 17. If you have not been around for a while, we're on the teaching series, uh, which we've tagged, Welcome to Church. So tap your neighbor for me and tell your neighbor, Welcome to Church. Welcome to Church is a teaching series on the Church of Jesus Christ Universal. Uh, the implication on the local church, like the Elevation Church, what should be my disposition towards my church, and how does God want me to function in the scope of what He's doing in our world today. I'll start out this morning reading from Genesis 28, from verse number 10, a story of Jacob after he has received the blessing from his father, Isaac, uh, and he was on the run. Because sometimes you are blessed, but you are yet on the run. Sometimes you are blessed, and you can still be confused. Sometimes you are blessed, but you may still be struggling emotionally. Sometimes you are blessed, but you may not know what is next. So Jacob was blessed, but he didn't know what was next. And uh, he was just running away from his brother Esau, running towards the house of Laban, his uncle. He was blessed, but there was no expression of the blessing yet. And while that was happening, he got to a place that he was tired. The Bible says that um, uh, um, the sun had set and he, he had to sleep. So let's, let's, let's read it from Genesis 28 from verse 10. Now Jacob went out from Beersheba and went towards Haran. So he came to a certain place and stayed there all night because the sun had set. And he took a stone of the place and put it at his head and lay down in that place. Then he dreamed, and behold, a ladder was set up on the earth, and its top reached to heaven, and there the angels of God were ascending and descending on it. And behold, the Lord stood above it and said, I am the Lord God of Abraham, your father, and the God of Isaac, the land on which you lie, I will give to you and your descendant. Verse 14. Uh, and also your descendants shall be as the dust of the earth. You shall spread abroad to the west, to the east, to the north, to the south. And in you and all your seed, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Uh, look at verse 15. Behold, I'm with you and I will keep you wherever you go and will bring you back to this land, for I will not leave you until I have done what I have spoken to you. Now, before we read the next verse, I need you to understand something. If you are where Jacob was at that time, this looks like all you need to be fired up to believe that you are blessed, though you look like a fugitive, but something great is ahead of you. That was what happened to him. The God of the universe spoke to him reassured him 
that the blessing is not fake. And that he was going to substantiate what his father spoke over his life. Because sometimes we second-guess the blessing over our lives. How can you be blessed and still be running a skelter? I took a lot of courage many years ago when the Holy Spirit was speaking to me about this, reading from the story of Joseph and Mary. How can you carry the king of the universe, carry the son of God in your hand, and you still have to run from pillar to post? Because sometimes you have a vision that is from God, and you are wondering, why am I still struggling with this vision? Your vision cannot be greater than the vision that God has for Jesus. Mary carried Jesus in her hands, and yet still had to run. Yeah. Still had to go, you know, run, go to this place, go to that place. So the fact that you're struggling with what you have in your hand right now does not mean that God is not with you. Can I get an amen from somebody? Yeah. Doesn't mean that God is not with you. God is with you. God is with you and is going to actualize his blessing over your life. And Jacob had that kind of an encounter, which I believe shows us a picture of what God has in mind concerning the church. And this was what Jacob said afterwards. The Bible says, Jacob, uh, uh, Jacob, then Jacob awoke from his sleep and said, look at that, surely the Lord is in this place. And I did not know it. And he was afraid and said, how awesome is this place? This is none other than the house of God. This is the gate of heaven. How awesome is this place? This is none other than the house of God. This is the gate of heaven. This shows us a picture, an idea of what God has in mind concerning his church. When you and I come to church, we come to the place of awesomeness. The awesomeness of his presence. That's why we sang about his presence this morning. The awesomeness of his presence. That's where we have come to interact with. But you know, there's, there's an attitude that you can come with, which you can come into the house of God, and you will not even know that God is here. Jacob said, how awesome is this place? The Lord has been here. <laughs> this is none other than the house of God, and this is the gate of heaven. He said, I, I didn't even know it. I just thought it's an ordinary place. I just got stoned, and you know, I'm just trying to be comfortable. Because your attitude in God's presence is what determines what you are able to squeeze out of his presence. How awesome is this place? This is none other but the house of God. Yeah, this is the gate of heaven. The Bible says Jacob rose early in the morning and took a stone of that place, uh, you know, and set it up as a pillar and poured oil on top of it. And verse 19, the Bible says, and he called the name of the place Bethel. Though the place had another name before. But he called the name of the place Bethel, and Bethel means house of God. Bethel, the house of God. What do you call your church? And what do you call the church? Because what you call it is what you get from it. You can call it a garden of hypocrites. So you, you're going to get hypocrisy from it. Yeah. And the world is calling church all kinds of names today. And some of us are also dancing along with it. Don't forget I'm teaching about the power of the church. We're tagging along with whatever. We're picking our narrative not from the scriptures, but from the streets, from social media, from from popular culture, from what the narrative that some people have written in the media that other people are just running after. When you get the right understanding of the church, why God set up the church, how the church should run, you have one understanding that the church of Jesus Christ remains the hope of the world when it's working right. And the responsibility of each and every one of us is to make sure that the church works right. Are you still with me today? Jacob had this, this kind of encounter 
It reset his mind about the church. It gave him a different paradigm about the church of Jesus Christ. This is the house of God. How awesome is this place? How many times have you been to church and you leave saying, how awesome is this place? Because you got an encounter. Not because God is not present in church, but many people come into church with all kinds of attitude that will not even allow God to touch them. Yeah. You can't be in church and you're on Instagram all through the service. And you will say, how awesome is this place? Which awesome? Yeah. No. You have to make up your mind, I'm in God's presence. You see, Jacob had to go to sleep there, then God showed up. When you come into church with fretting and agitation and all kinds of things, and you surrounded yourself with all kinds of distraction, God can reach you. Yeah, even if you're trying to seek him in your house, you need to put distractions away. When we now come into the awesome presence of the garden of the people of God, then we need to do better. But I'm not even stopping there. I'm just making, I'm mean, showing this symbolically as to the kind of attitude, the kind of mindset that we all need to have about church. Many people step into churches today with, you know, they're very skeptical. And it's okay to be skeptical sometimes, but why don't you read the word of God and understand what God has in mind concerning his church? And then you, you understand what I'm saying better. This is the kind of mindset that the writer, Psalm, Psalm 84, verse 10 said, even we sang about it one day in your court. Psalm 84 and verse 10. Uh, it, it says, For a day your court is better than a thousand, and I would rather be your doorkeeper in the house of God than dwell in the tents of wickedness. A day in your court is better than a thousand. I mean, what can make somebody write this apart from the fact that the person has had an encounter? A day in your court is better than a thousand, and I would rather be a doorkeeper in your house. Like even people who, who, who stay close to the church, but they don't have the kind of attitude that will make God really be God to them. And we need to change all that narrative and to continue to say Jesus remains committed to his church. Nobody begged him. Nobody cajoled him when he said in Matthew 16, he uh, said, I will build my church and the gate of hell will not prevail against it. Yeah. And there's nothing our world will say today that will make him change his mind. It's not a man that he will lie, but a son of man that he will repent. God has no alternative plan for the salvation of mankind than the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. The number one custodian of that gospel is the church of Jesus. You can take it to the cleaners, you can do anything you like with, 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 with her. The truth is that God has no plan B. It's still the church. And it's my responsibility and your responsibility to make the church run well so that God can fulfill his purpose in our world today. Yeah. Not, to, not to join forces with other people to pull down the church. Yeah. And the church, like we all know, is not, it's not perfect. It will never be perfect. <laughs> yeah. Because it will always be filled with imperfect people. Where is he going to derive his perfection from? But it's always fit for his assignment. Are you still with me today? Glory be to Jesus. So, I'm going to be sharing three thoughts on this topic. One is believing. The next one is belonging. And the last one is becoming. There's a body of knowledge today 
But if you Google it, you'll read a lot about it. It's, it's a term called believing without belonging. Many people are stepping, sidestepping the church today. They claim to believe, but they don't want to belong. They don't understand the power of the local church. Yeah. And one small thing or the other dissuaded them from seeking to understand the power of the local church. So, the easier thing to say is that I'm serving God in my heart and in my house. Yeah. God knows who is serving him. You know, people say that a lot. Yeah. That the states, I mean, the, the way church is today, ah, God knows who is serving him. I mean, I'll just stay in my house. Or some people just say, I'll just go to a church where nobody knows me. Yeah. And I'll just sit at the back and I will go. Some people say, I don't even, all these new generation churches, I don't want to, I'll just go back to Orthodox Church, I just sit at the back, I sing the hymn, they don't make noise, they don't disturb anybody, and then I will just walk away and go back to my house. All kind of narratives going on out there. But where should you pick your narrative from? You pick it from the Word of God because you seek to understand why God set up His church. So the first thought is about believing. Believing. John 1 and verse 12 the Bible says in verse 11, he came to his own, his own receive him not, but as many as receiving him, to them he gave the right to become children of God. As many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God to those who believe in his name. Believing is the starting point. You want to be a part of the church of Jesus Christ, you believe, you believe, you believe. That's where we start from. You believe. Romans chapter 8 and, uh, and uh, I think verse 15 there says, For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. He said, We have not received um, again the spirit of bondage to fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption by whom we cry, Abba, Father, Daddy. So we believe we become a part of his kingdom. Become a part of his, of his kingdom, and it's important to, for everybody to, to note this, that the church is first and foremost the family of God. It's not just a place you attend, it's a family of God that you belong to. But what opens you up to it is that you believe, that you believe, that you believe. Glory be to Jesus. It's a community of faith, of people who have faith in the risen Son of God, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And if we are believers, like we call ourselves believers, from time to time we must evaluate what we believe. Yeah, what we believe. We believe in the virgin birth, we believe uh, that Christ uh, is a propitiation for our sin and he brought redemption to mankind. We believe in his death and his resurrection on the cross. Uh, we, we have the commonalities of Christianity, the, 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 you know, the things, our creed, the things that we believe. And that's what creates a rallying point for all of us as believers. So when we call people unbelievers, <laughs> we must understand what they don't believe also. <laughs> because some people, you know, just because you saw somebody misbehaving, you call them unbeliever. Yeah. But they may be believers who are still misbehaving. <laughs> Praise God. But we must always reckon with what we believe and derive our sense of identity from what we believe and where we belong. Many people derive their sense of identity from many things today. Yeah. From their work to family, 
to sports, and all kind of things that people derive their, service, their sense of identity from. You know some people, even people in this church, who would rather introduce themselves as uh, Arsenal fan than a Christian? Yeah. Because they just believe that that's where they derive their sense of identity from. If the king of the universe gave birth to you, and it's your father, and you are not proud of it, then you don't know what you have. Because there are people here, if you pronounce, if you mention their name without putting prince or princess in front of it, they will fight you. Yeah. And there's the kingdom of uh, Edo kingdom or Ekiti kingdom or, you know, all those. But those are lesser kingdoms, and we celebrate those kingdoms. But the one that is the king of kings and lord of lords, the one who enthroned kings and dethroned kings, the God of all flesh, creator of the hands of the universe, calls me his son. I must flaunt that. Yeah, I must flaunt it. It's too much to hide. That's why the scripture says, no man lights a candle and puts it under a basket. But he puts it on the top of the house so that everybody will see it. So where else should we de derive our sense of identity from but from the one who loved us and called us his own? So we must derive our sense of identity from what we believe and from the fact that we are a part of Christ. 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse 27 calls us, it says, Now you are the body of Christ and members individually. The body of Christ. We are the body of Christ and we are members individually. We are the body of Christ. We are members individually. And he said, in that place, that body of Christ, verse 28, God appointed these in the church. First apostle, second prophet, teachers, and afterwards miracles, gifts, healings, help, administration, variety of tongues, you know, and all that. God appointed all those there because the church it's also a resourcing center. But first and foremost, I must identify with the church and see myself as members, member in particular. Then I'm able to access the things that God has placed within his church. Glory be to Jesus. It is not enough to believe. You need to belong. You need to belong. It's not enough to believe. You need to belong. Our starting point is believing but believing is not an end in itself. We have many people today, like I said, who say, I believe in my heart. I believe, you know, uh, I, no, no, nobody needs a church to go to heaven. You just need to believe. You are right to some extent. Believing is not enough. It's not an end in itself. It's a means to an end. God is not raising uh, orphanages. He's constructing a family. Yeah. And the, 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 the church is not an eatery. Well, you just show up and say, give me rice. And they serve you the rice there. The taste is not so good. You know, the way some people judge our messages, there's no salt in that message. <laughs> say, that church, say, have you heard people talk about church before? They will analyze all the church on this island, for instance, say, that one, and they just have that. That one, the, the music is not good. This one, ah, the message does not have salt and uh, season. Uh, this one, you know, the, like, as if they're talking about an itchy. They say one, ah, you know, there's, I mean, this one, I like the pastor. That one, ah, 
I, I don't like the pastor's wife. This one, I like the. You know. And do you, do you think, do you understand how God feels about all that? But when are my children going to grow up? These are just children, infants, talking. It irritates everyone when you talk like that. There's a place that God wants to plant you where he wants you to blossom and contribute vitally to the kingdom of God so that the church can walk the way it's supposed to walk. We don't treat the church like an orphanage. I appreciate and celebrate everyone who runs an orphanage today. But the prevailing thought in the very countries is that it's better to put kids in foster care in, in, with a family so that they have a sense of identity. I don't know if you understand what I'm saying. We try to mix it up here so people who run orphanages also try to mother or father those kids so that they can have a sense of identity. And they're not doing badly at that. And we appreciate all of such people. But God's original intention is that the child will grow up within the family. That's his original intention. That's his original intention. And from the physical intentions, we see the spiritual dimension because the physical takes root from the spirit. In Christianity also, God's original intention is that you and I will be planted in churches where we will be nourished, we will be resourced, and we will be brought up. And we will not be rogue believers, like area boy believers. That's what we call, I mean, people who are not, who are not brought up in homes, most eventually get on the street and they become area boys. Am I saying the truth? And there are many believers today, they are rogue believers. The making of a rogue believer is lack of accountability. Yeah. And accountability, lack of accountability is encouraged when people don't have a sense of belonging. They just believe only. They don't belong. Welcome back. I trust that you heard specific words tailor-made to your situation. You know, God is a God of love and a God of specifics. And I know that he has addressed something in your life this week. Perhaps you heard something in the message that just touched your heart or perhaps reminded you again how far you feel from God. I can assure you that God wants to reach out to you today. And just in case you've never had that opportunity to say this prayer, I invite you to say this prayer with me. Say, Dear God, I come to you today because I recognize that I need your help. I ask you to forgive my sins. I ask you, Lord, to give me a new lease of life. I confess that I'm a sinner and I need you. Thank you for hearing my prayer, Lord, and thank you for receiving me as a child of God. I ask you to help me live a life that is worthy of you and that brings you honor and glory. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. If you said that prayer with me, allow me to say welcome to God's family. Now I encourage you to keep on growing. Please find a Bible-believing church where you can be planted and where you can grow as a child of God. Just in case you're in the city of Lagos, we invite you to join any of our services here at the Elevation Church. Our addresses are now being displayed on the screen. And that's it for this broadcast. Thank you again for tuning in. And until our next episode of Recipes for Greatness, keep shining, keep manifesting the goodness of God, and see you 
on the greatness side. God bless you. Have you been blessed by listening and watching today's broadcast? We'll love to receive your testimonies on how your life has been transformed. Send an email to info at elevationng.org. Are you in need of counsel? Reach us on 0700 Elevate. That's 0700 353 Thank you and God bless. I need a place I can elevate my soul Where my mind and spirit can be whole Where the truth is real